Maybe they've got no relation to human beings because they're made of plasticine. Maybe they've got no relation to human beings because they are a cake. Hello, Michelle. Hi, Geordie. How do you do? How do you do? <laughs> you love an accent, don't you? <laughs> How do you do? <laughs> How do do you do? And the thing is, they're all made up, all your accents. Uh, I know why you're saying that, Michelle. I know why you're saying that. You're concerned because last week I said bush and you thought I was being racist. Can I just point out I was not being racist. I just said bush because I like to say it like that. Bush. It's a non Michelle's worried we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> and I'm not even woke. Surely our listeners love us enough. In fact, do you know what? I saw a review on Apple Podcasts that I hadn't noticed. It was from sometime last Who's year. From? Something called Marky, Marky Boy. I don't know who that is. Oh, I do know who that is. I know who that is. <laughs> ah! That's Mark. It's not Rains Park Mark. It's the other Mark. I've just realised who that is. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> but he said he loved the stream of consciousness that we have. He found it charming. He said it was a lovely bunch of twaddle. <laughs> twaddle. In, in an affectionate way. Oh, that's lovely. Well, speaking of twaddle, yeah. I was listening to a podcast after you had mentioned Adam Buxton in last week's episode. Oh, yes. I listen to podcasts when I clean. I love to push a hoover and, you yeah. know grab a mop, have a magic sponge in my hand while I'm listening to a podcast. Yeah, that sounds like a fair way to listen to a podcast. In fact, the best way, I would say. That's what I do. Yes. You've forgotten. Sorry, I threw you off. (laughs) Totally. Now I have to go back. Sorry, this is not a scripted conversation, (laughs) listeners. Auto cue for Michelle Margarita. I'm jazzed on my green tea again. I was listening to the Richard E. Grant Adam Buxton podcast. He lost his wife last year. I follow him on Instagram and he's so gorgeous. Mm. He loved that woman so very much. And he's often talking about life now without his soul partner. It's beautiful and sad all at once. It is beautiful and sad. And this episode actually came out last year and it was to promote his book about her last eight months when they realized after her cancer diagnosis. It's really touching. It's very moving. He, of course, is a brilliant conversationalist. Yeah. He talks a lot about how relationships function and that you've got to realize in a relationship who is the dominant and the and the non-dominant, I guess. Yes, there's no room for two dominants. Let me tell you right now. So he said in his relationship, his wife was masculine masculine and he was feminine masculine. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh, there's four bits. She was the dominant and he was oh. not the dominant. Oh, I see. F- masculine, feminine. Hang on. So he, what? so she was masculine, masculine. So she was in charge. But he is feminine, masculine. But surely the second part, the feminine or masculine. Don't even Hang ask. Hang on. No, feminine. It's about it first. So your, your dominant trait is feminine, masculine. But then your actual gender is the second part. So she Nothing would be... Nothing to do with your, no? your, oh, okay. your gender. Because he then gave an okay. example about... Let's just go with that. I should actually have written it down because it is quite confusing because then you can have masculine, 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 masculine. Oh, God. And like there are four parts to this. And he was saying it doesn't matter about gender because he said, and I'm very good friends with Elton John, name drop. And he was saying that <laughs> Elton is the 
triple masculine and that David Furnish is, you know, feminine, masculine, feminine or something. I don't know. But it was very interesting. And if you want to know more, because I was thinking – how would I relate that to my relationship? I am not going to reveal my thoughts on that, but I do think it's very interesting. So apart from just a beautiful ramble chat with Richard E. Grant and Adam Buxton, there's also some psychology to pick up. Well, that's another plug for Adam Buxton, like he needs them. He's always complaining about his more famous friends, not giving him a bone. Well, guess what, Adam? We're doing it for you and we don't even have the amount of listeners that you do. Exactly. We gave you double bone. We've given you two bones. We boned you twice, Adam. (laughs) One for the dog, one for you. Now, circling back to... Commenty things. We've yes. had a lot. We've had a lot of comments on the YouTubes. Yeah, which is always scary because I know people are very cruel on YouTube. I know, but we we've been just having a few people commenting on actually the episode trailers that we do, all the vids that yeah. we do for social. Okay, and very concerned that we were talking about Dungeons and Dragons, but your son yes. appears to be playing Roblox. People don't <laughs> like it, Geordie. <laughs> I will. Can you put a comment underneath that and say, apologies, the bigger son who does play Dungeons and Dragons, when asked if I could use him in the social media video, he said, and I quote, hell no. Okay. The little one doesn't mind. He loves it. Well, almost beat you to the punch because I did reply and I said, maybe I said something like it's for illustrate. <laughs> illustrative purposes only or something yes. and then I said actually the other son is a D&D master listen to the podcast don't just comment on don't the comment. social video listen to the goddamn podcast sometimes we have to make do and mend don't we like my Britney Spears pink wig and <laughs> with the snake with the little tongue on your titty <laughs> And there was also a hat that I had pulled out of my children's dressing up box, which I thought was reminiscent possibly of something she might wear at Caesar's Palace. It looked like a centurion outfit. I just thought, well, that's what people wear in Vegas. So that's why I put that on. Sometimes you just got to go with the flow. Do we need to go to Vegas just to look at what the fashion might have been? Can we put that through as a business expense? (laughs) I think we can. I think we need to do that. Let's live stream from Vegas. I feel like Vegas is the sort of place that's going to make me want to cry because you don't know what's day, what's night. There's a lot of noise. It's quite discombobulating. I feel like it's not very natural and I feel like I need to be more closer to nature these days than urban. Well, it's in the desert. I think you get like harsh, dusty, no water desert and then you get like obscene wealth and just gaudy, tacky. Be kind to Vegas. I'm going to win big money there. I've just got a feeling. So I think we should go. Okay, well, let's go. I'll watch you pull the uh, one-armed bandit. (laughs) And I'll just chat to the centurions dotted about. Yes. Well, it depends which one you go to. I mean, there are all those theme parky style hotels. Oh, if there's a slide. You know I love a water slide. I was thinking more just the pyramid one where everyone's dressed like a pharaoh. No, (laughs) a water slide. I hate a water slide. I hate it. Oh, no. Well, then you can do all the gambling and I'll do all the sliding. That's it. It's decided. Yeah, that sounds perfect for me. Although I hate also a theme park. I hate I hate roller coasters. I hate all that rubbish. I get too scared. You hate so much. You're so hateful. (laughs) Full of hate, I mean. (laughs) Full of hate. (laughs) Hate's quite a strong word, isn't it? I dislike. So strong. I strongly dislike being on any of those 
terrible rides. One of Andres's big birthdays, he treated mm. his whole family to this park. Oh, yes, I've seen that picture. He sent me the picture of your face. I mean... On a baby roller coaster. Yeah, with seven chins. You were frightened. I was scared. And the time that I took my <laughs> sister's child on the roller coaster at Luna Park in Sydney, she was small. She must have been six. And I swear to you... She almost went underneath that rail and flew off into the Sydney Harbour to die. Oh, my God. If I had not held on to her tightly, I swear to you, it could have been tragedy. I was so scared. We both came off crying. (laughs) She knew it too. Oh, my gosh. That reminded me, didn't one of our lovely listeners want us to look into something to do with Luna Park? Is that an apocalypse? A kiss, kiss, apocalypse. I think it could have been one of his suggestions. We'll have to see. Oh, mm. what was the song I sang? Because your kiss, your kiss, <laughs> apocalypse. apocalypse. <laughs> He's getting too much uh, attention. <laughs> Go straight to his head. Straight to those lips. A moment on the apocalypse is a lifetime on the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> the apocalypse. <laughs> what am I talking about? And as usual, darling, I don't know. Well, I tell you what I will talk about this week. What? It's kind of a part two, but not really from last week. Ufos. Because it's not stopped, Michelle. It's still going. I think I may have peaked too soon by talking about that stuff to do with David Grosh. Grosh. <laughs> Grush. Grush. Sorry. David Grush. <laughs> David Grush. Because that's only one part of this panel. It's still going on. It's never going to end. This is the topic that will run and run and run because it's all about the aliens. The USA is taking it seriously. They are throwing money and government organizations and setting up new departments for UFO investigation. They're taking it seriously. I'd be interested, you know, from last week's conversation that we had or monologue on my part, I'd be interested to know from out of that, what are some of the reports from other countries, like not just the USA, also Russia, China, Italy, Greenland, I don't know. Switzerland. Well, I mean, you know, I see them all the time. I see with lights in the sky all the <laughs> of time. You do. I see them all the time, she said. But I <laughs> I do see with lights in the sky all the time and Andreas tries to poo-poo it, but he's freaking out. Do you not contact the Swiss version of MUFON to tell them? No. How are they going to log I it? I should really. I, I, that's never crossed my mind. I should really do that. You should. They're probably going to think I'm a crackpot because I've been emailing no. them all the time. Spotted. Over the Matterhorn, 3.47 a.m. lights. I bet if you Googled it, that's another story. And I think people like Yannicka in her tubble, or not tubble anymore, she gets a bit, I don't know. Some of our listeners don't love the UFO stories. Some do. So we will return to murders shortly. But I think we've got more to say on UFOs right now, right, Michelle? We do. And just back to murders, i got plenty. Today? Not today. Coming up. Oh. Coming up. Oh. I think you're right. Not everybody loves the spooky ooky. But a couple of weeks back, uh, you'll remember I mentioned that I woke up to a flurry of pings on my phone from friends, sending links to alien corpses that have been presented to the Mexican government as proof that aliens exist and that we have their bodies right here on Earth. If you missed the news on this, which I don't know how you could have because it was fucking everywhere. I missed it on purpose because I was waiting for you to tell me all about it. In a nutshell... During a recent Mexican congressional hearing on unidentified flying objects, a.k.a. UFOs, there's a journalist and UFO enthusiast and self-proclaimed ufologist called Jamie Musan. 
and he presented to the Mexican government two teeny tiny grey humanoid looking mummies with elongated heads and three fingers on each hand and they were lying in caskets which is kind of grim and he claims that these weird mummified figures were actually the corpses of non-human beings found deep in algae mines in Cusco, Peru, in 2017, and that they must be between 800 and 1700 years old. Now, I don't know why they were in an algae mine and how they even found them in an algae mine. And more than that, if he's had these since 2017, why has he not shown them to anyone before now? But anyway, these weird little mummy figures... They've since been named Clara and Maurizio because why not? I don't know why. Maybe it's cute. But according to a guy called Jose de Jesus, Zalce Benitez, that's a name right there. I would say it's Jesus. Well, do you know what? It's Jose de Jesus. Yeah, okay. Jose de Jesus. (laughs) Can't even say it. Jose de Jesus. Zalce Benitez. Dr. Benitez. Sounds good. Dr. B, we'll call him from now on. Dr. B. He is the director of the Scientific Institute for Health of the Mexican Navy. And he said during the hearing, and I quote, I can affirm that these bodies have no relation to human beings. Ooh. Is that it? Ooh. (laughs) Well, I'm waiting for more information. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe they've got no relation to human beings because they're AI. Maybe they've got no relation to human beings because they're made of plasticine. Maybe they've got no relation to human beings because they are a cake. It is funny you say that because these things look like fucking cake. And I I know. kept thinking. I did see the pictures. You did see the pictures. Did you not think this is just a joke from that Netflix show? Is it cake? They're going to cut through it and go, it's cake. (laughs) Or is it a non-biological sample from outer space? Or is it a cake? Honestly, if it's cake, it looked fucking delicious. I would eat that ET cake. Yeah. You would? You know, the nice kind of fluffy frosting on the... But it's grey, isn't it? Grey? Yeah. I'll eat a grey cake. (laughs) I don't (laughs) mind. Good to know. She will eat a grey cake. Especially if it's got all of that fluffy, nice frosting now what scientists from the national autonomous university of mexico also known as norm n-a-u-m conducted tests on these alien bodies apparently and the tests included dna analysis and 3d x-rays and from what i understand they are pretty convinced that these little tiny gray cake aliens are not of human origin but the jury's out for a few reasons The first is to do with carbon-14 dating, which is used to determine the age of the body. But if you think about it, that kind of testing might not be applicable if these bodies really are from another planet with different chemistry because they might not be composed of carbon at all. Exactly. So Neil, the scientist, has been all up in this and he sent me a couple of ideas about this C4 dating And he says, and I quote, I'm not qualified at all to know definitively, but I'm not so sure that C4 dating would not work. 
He says the almighty Wikipedia reckons that C4 occurs by cosmic rays smashing into nitrogen atoms in the atmosphere. And according to my extensive chat GPT investor Googling, mm-hmm. nitrogen is everywhere in the universe, so the C14 could be everywhere too. Ooh. But if the aliens aren't carbon-based life forms, then I guess this might not work to age the organisms. Mm, I don't understand that last sentence, but I'll pretend to. (laughs) Okay. So a little bit kind of like if they're carbon and they can be dated, but then the nitrogen is everywhere, it's big. Nothing definitive. No, because what I think he's saying is, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but C14 is everywhere, then Doing C4 tests neither confirms nor denies that these mummified cake aliens are or are not aliens. Gotcha. And yes, if the test is to age them, it might not be relevant. But if it's to determine whether they're of the same composition as humans or not, Mm. well, that's the big question mark for me. Right. And it's a biggie. And it's one that I think needs to be properly looked at by people who know more than me. But anyway, in Mexico... There have been people weighing in on this and doing tests because people were calling a bullshit right from the start on this and coming up with all kinds of theories, including that the bodies were put together from bits of animal skeletons. Well, I was thinking that. Well, you know what? You're not the only one. A bit like that story we told about the lady with the rabbit upper. (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> Mary Toft and the rabbit pregnancies. Go get a big black rabbit up here. It's not like that because people have thought, yeah, 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 it's all like put together. But there were recent scans that were conducted at the Noor Clinic in Mexico and they were live streamed on Jamie Masson's YouTube channel, which for me maybe lacks a little bit of cred. The findings suggest that both corpses are single skeletons and complete organic beings so not assembled from various bits no one's come out and said this has all been a hoax no because i just assumed it was going to be a hoax this is bullshit do you know what people have come out and said it's a hoax but there's no one saying yeah yeah because i mean there was a, a thing a few years ago when russians found supposedly an alien body that looks very similar to these ones and that all came out in the wash that it was a hoax but not really I mean there are people saying yeah yeah bullshit but there are a lot of people still like the jury's out Mm, okay scans on both of them have led scientists to make claims and when they were investigating the corpse of Clara the scans allegedly also revealed the presence of reproductive eggs inside her, oh, suggesting that she was maybe a preggy alien. God. And look, I've seen pics of these supposed eggs and, I mean, they just look like cool mints, to be honest. <laughs> Who says that aliens have eggs and that's how they reproduce? Like, we don't know. Your version of an alien, it's not going to be what it is. Your, whatever you think an alien looks like, it's not going to be that. Well, these ones look exactly like you think a fucking alien yeah. should look like, which is also a big cross on the credibility for me. Honestly, it did look like somebody swallowed like five cool mints and <laughs> that's what they x-ray. <laughs> the tests have also apparently revealed that the bodies have retractable necks and oh. long skulls. Wind your neck in. <laughs> like a hill's hoist and both have humanoid 
and bird-like characteristics. Oh, I like that. Peck, peck. And I read that there's <laughs> speculation. <laughs> I wonder if you're an alien, Michelle, because you often have the pecking motion. I do, but that comes from Jen. Jen's <laughs> dancing. She gets her hand and she does like a little Chucky. snake head or a hen peck. The Jen peck. Looks like an emu from this angle. Honestly, I am more, <laughs> I'm becoming more and more Jen. I do the hen. Are they birds? I don't know. Because there's speculation that maybe they had stereoscopic vision like a bird. I don't know how they tell that because What's it looks like mean? a fucking cake. Like bird vision. Let's just go with the cake. Yes. And it looked delicious. I've just had a cup of tea. I really could fancy a bit of that grey cake right now. I'm not oh even joking. <laughs> Back to Clara and Maurizio. They apparently have strong, lightweight bones and no teeth. Well, they're not eating cake, are they? And both the bodies have, and I quote, implants, unquote, of cadmium and osmium metals. Oh, what's that for? Did you ask Neil the scientist what that might be for? No, but I googled it and they're used in batteries and telecommunication devices like satellites. Weird, right? Maybe they are what we talked about last week, which is not the alien itself, but a bioengineered machine. Maybe. But I don't like the word implant because if it's not a machine, has somebody put these metals into Mm. those bodies? I don't know what to think. But look, despite all of this, most scientists are kind of calling bullshit on Clara and Maurizio. And they don't think that they're aliens. And there's a woman called Julieta Fierro, who is a scientist at Mexico's National Autonomous University Institute of Astronomy. And she reckons that the samples that have so far been examined, she thinks they're brain and skin tissues from mummies who have died at different times. Meaning she thinks that someone... And I don't know who would do this. Stuck a battery in a mummy. Well, and scraped off bits of from old human mummies and put it together oh. on this alien-looking thing. Well, some people have got a lot of time on their hands, clearly. But the skeleton is intact, so I don't know how that works. And then there's Dr. B, Dr. Benitez, who has hit back at these sceptical scientists, saying that he points out that DNA tests on the pair showed... of both Clara and Maurizio's DNA bore no relation to any known species on Earth. Right, right, right. Benitez. Do I need to repeat that? that. 30%. 30%. 30%. Yeah. Unknown DNA. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking weird. I mean, that's chill bump shit for me right there. I don't know. Maybe there's something in this if it's true. But if it's not. It's pretty tall tales, but there have been new reports published. Going back to this whole idea of them being, you know, basically not a Frankenstein and pieced together, like you said, if they, these aliens are so futuristic and not like us, would they even have bones? Would they even have organs? Well, we talked about this recently, my friend and I. It could be just a gas or a thought. Exactly. Or like we talked about last week, microbial organisms. The slug. It just doesn't add up to me. And scientist Julieta Fierro also says that she thinks that Jamie Massan's findings do not show anything mysterious that could indicate life compounds that do not exist on Earth. Burn. I mean, she's cutting him down. (laughs) Because she's saying there's nothing in those bodies that didn't come from Earth. Well, you know, there's always going to be your naysayers. But if there really is 30%, what does she say about that? She doesn't comment. 
Yeah. I wonder if that's just an anomaly that occurs within DNA testing, Michelle. Oh, what, like your lady, your dodgy um, DNA tests, like with the the cotton wool buds or whatever, it all went wrong. Yes, exactly, the Heilbronn. But then everybody knew that that was belonging to a human. But I just think, are our DNA testing mechanisms as robust as they could be? No. Perhaps it's picking up something else. I don't know. And are they even equipped to deal with 30% non-human? Who fucking knows? Mm. There's a woman called Elsa Tomasto Caggiaggio. I'm sorry if I got that wrong, Elsa. She's a respected Peruvian bioanthropologist. And she has hit out at the media saying of Jamie Musan and Dr. Benitez that they are presenting, I'm quoting her, they are presenting the same rehash as always. And if there are people that keep believing that, what can we do? She says, it's so crass and so simple that there is nothing more to add. So I guess she's not a believer. Wow. Now, the thing is, apparently back in 2015, both Jamie Masson and Dr. B claimed that a mummified body they found near Nazca in Peru was an alien. But tests revealed it was nothing more than the remains of a human child. Oh, God. So these two don't have a good track record of trust. No. Hmm. So And they've already been linked to one hoax. So I think their credibility is a bit fucked. Do you know what it makes me think of, Michelle? If you're looking for aliens, you're going to find them by hook or by crook. Thanks, Nana. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got a point. People want to find an alien. Oh, it's an alien. Yeah. People go, is it cake? It's cake. But the weird thing is the Peruvian government has said that they believe The corpses, they don't say that it's alien, but they say corpses, are pre-Hispanic objects. Pre-what? Hispanic. Pre-Hispanic. Pre-Hispanic. That just means the period of time before the 16th century when Spanish explorers discovered and conquered Mesoamerica and South America. So I'm thinking about that film by Mel Gibson, Apocalypto. (laughs) Apocalypto. Do you remember that one? <laughs> no, but anything with Mel Gibson just makes me <laughs> laugh. Makes you laugh. It's horrific, actually. There's some horrific scenes oh. in there. He's a quite bloodthirsty filmmaker. It was a good film. And it was about the Incan, I don't know, original people and then the mm. arrival of the Hispanics. Right. Well, the Peruvian government saying that they think these cake aliens are pre-Hispanic. When you think about that... It is not that long ago. Now, Jamie Masson and Dr. Benitez are saying that the bodies are around a thousand years old, oh. which, just as you said, is around the time the Incan Empire would have existed near modern day Cusco, Peru, which gives that part of the story a tick in my mind. Okay. But the timeline of being pre Hispanic doesn't really add up if we're to go back only to the 1600s. Mm. So that's a cross. Mm. Ticks and crosses, are you keeping up? No, I'm no. not at all. Sorry. And Jamie Massan also told Congress, and I quote, whether they are aliens or not, we don't know, but they were intelligent and they lived with us. They should wow. rewrite history. And do you know what I say to you, Jamie? How the fuck do you know this? I think it's just speculation. And you know me. I want to believe. I want to believe. You are the molder between us. I Definitely. am. But what's also funny is that in Peru, officials have begun a criminal investigation into how the bodies left the country. So clearly 
They think that something fishy has been happening and that there is something important about these two corpses. Body snatching. Oh my God, cake body snatching. Although Jamie Masan has said he's innocent and he's done absolutely nothing illegal in terms of how these bodies got from Peru to Mexico, when you think about it, if they're aliens or even just ancient artifacts, you don't just put that shit in your suitcase and hope customs don't no, stop you, don't. you at border control. No. You have to declare it. Marbles. And clearly they didn't. I don't know what's going on here. But as an aside, what's interesting is that just in the past couple of weeks, NASA's James Webb Space Telescope, which we have talked about before on this very podcast, has apparently spotted both methane and carbon dioxide on an exoplanet about 120 light years from Earth. The significance of this is that these are the chemicals on our little blue planet that we call Earth. That's right. They're the building blocks of life, aren't they? Exactly. Even I know that. It's making me think. Now, I had a big conversation with my friend Tim the other night. We're both science fiction enthusiasts mm-hmm. and we were talking a lot about Interstellar, the film by Christopher Haven't Nolan, which is very, very confusing. But I would recommend that right here, right now. I think it's a really good film to watch okay. as a companion piece to this conversation. Carry on. I will. Because I was just going to do a little reminder of what an exoplanet is. Yes. It's basically worlds that orbit stars other than the mm-hmm. sun. And this exoplanet is called K218b because it was the first planet found to orbit the red dwarf star K218. And Geordie, yes. If I say red dwarf, I instantly just think of the Rimmer. TV show from the 90s. Yes, Rimmer. And if I say the K2, what do yeah. you think that reminds me of? That's the lifeline. The lifeline the bus lifeline. that gets you from the station to my house when you come to visit. It's a bus. I feel like I can't take this seriously, but I can because it is actually one of the biggest scientific breakthroughs in this field of study in mm. forever, actually. And yet it doesn't really get the the traction in the media that the mm. alien cake mummy corpses did. If we go back to this exoplanet, which apparently there could also be a chemical on it called dimethyl sulfide, which on Earth, again, can only be produced by living things. The implication being here that if K218b is the same as here, then boom, we've got life on that planet. That would be very similar to our lives, our life. Well, yes. And it could also be that K218b might be the home, sweet home, of Clara Maurizio, perhaps. Maybe they're a long way from home, but it's all just speculation because the creation of dimethyl sulfide might also be formed on other planets by geological processes that we don't even know about yet and maybe we'll never know about. So it's just speculation. We, meaning the human race, Mm -hmm. we have telescopes and techniques that can tell us what the K218b is like and how far away it is, but we are not advanced enough to get direct images of the planet. Right. But in 2019, the Hubble Space Telescope did come to the conclusion that the K218b potentially had water vapor on it, meaning that liquid water was most likely present on the surface of the exoplanet. Wow. And that it's most likely that there were large oceans on the planet. Oh, my gosh. And do you know what? Like all those science fiction books of people leaving Earth to live on another planet, this could be the one. I don't know. But before I get too excited about it, 
I did also read that the chances of life on exoplanet K2-18b are low, but not impossible. So it's a maybe. It's a maybe. And again, I would just urge you, Michelle, to go and watch it. Uh, interstellar before you get too excited about going to other planets <laughs> okay that's all i'll say on the matter well and just to quickly wrap up here yeah the other scientist did also weigh in on this topic saying that he actually works with people who run one of the three deep space tracking stations in the world at tidbin billa huh? which is in my hometown of canberra and the other two are in California and Madrid. Together, these three deep space tracking stations provide 24-7 contact with more than 30 spacecraft, including like study missions to Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, comets, the moon, the sun, all that kind of stuff. Neil's got a scientist mate, obviously, who reckons that the human race's main search for life in the universe is actually focused on searching for radio engineers on other planets. Now, I need to ask him more about that because I think what he means is that our science guys are kind of looking for their science guys. Right. Which makes sense because they're the ones probably, you know, like we can have opinions on this stuff, but we're not behind the telescope and sending out signals. We're not the representatives, not the chosen ones, Michelle. That's because I failed science at school. And Neil also says that he spoke to the former director of the tracking station about that movie Don't Look Up, which we have talked about. we have. Which Neil actually says he thinks is one of the most accurate depictions of modern society that he has ever seen. Mm. I'm not sure, but I think he means the apathy about the impending doom that we all face yes. in regards to climate change and meteor obliteration and yeah. mass-induced or man-induced mass destruction. And for anyone who hasn't seen Don't Look Up, it's a black comedy about two scientists played by Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio. And they discover a comet that's about to smash into Earth and they try to warn everyone about it, but no one takes them seriously. And instead they try and cover up what's going on and they try and monetize it. And spoiler, should I say the spoiler? No, don't tell the end. Okay, I won't tell the end. This ex-director of the tracking station hadn't seen the film, but he said to Neil, which made him think that film was pretty accurate, he said, we are tracking heaps of objects in space, some of which we call planet killers. And that's a phrase they use in the movie. So Neil thinks that these objects are are not just the stuff of Hollywood, but actually real. And then the ex-director said, at the moment, everything looks fine until about 2042. Right. Which scared the shit out of me because I went and then looked it up and there are loads of science-y articles about all sorts of, you know, meteors and asteroids are going to hit us. Mm. And Mm. there is apparently one that could hit Earth in 2042. And if we all survive that... There's another one coming in 2046. Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. And back in 2000, The Guardian actually reported that an Earth-destroying asteroid could obliterate Earth on the 21st of September in 2030. And you know what, Geordie? When I was doing this research, it was the 21st of September 2023. And it made me think, if I only have seven years left to live, what do I fucking want to do? What do we do, Geordie? I don't want to give you anxiety, but this shit's on. Well, I have got it now. I've got a horrible cold shiver. I don't like that, Michelle. That's really dark. But that's all I got for you. So do you know what? Eavesdroppers. Thanks. If you only had seven years to live before the whole earth was going to be destroyed, write in and tell us what you would do. Or 
huddle up into a ball and go and climb in under your duvet, like I'm going to do as soon as we're finished this <laughs> podcast. Now that's a sweet ride. Juice dropper. Now that's a sweet ride. Juice dropper. I'm confused. Don't, Don't drop your juice. Juice dropper. Right, well, thanks for that, Michelle. Bright ending to your story. All science and all depressing. I'm going to tell you something which is probably not very bright and sunny. I called it Cowboys and Aliens. Now, I found some information and it was all off the back of, you know, when I spoke to you last week about Earl Grey Anderson. I found him quite fascinating. So I searched a bit more for some more information about him. And all I could find really was more podcasts because there was something that he said in the podcast that I first listened to that I told you about, the Really podcast that I mentioned with Tom and Dave. He actually had his own visitations from aliens. And I told you about this. And he said that he knew all about how it should go because he was the main field guy for aliens. And he kind of heard lots of people's experiences. So he knew on most of the time you get a nice calming message saying, don't worry, it's all going to be okay. Please relax. But in his experience, he didn't hear that message and he was fucking terrified. And he said that these gliding aliens just came and started taking loads of blood from him to the point where he felt like he might be exsanguinated, just like the cattle you hear about. What cattle is that you say? Oh, my God. I remember something about this. I'm so excited to hear. I say excited. No, Mm. nobody wants to be shriveled up, bloodless Husk. No, but the thing is, when he said that these cattle were being exsanguinated, I thought I might look into that. So I found this in The Guardian and NPR, but I also saw lots of other stories in The National Enquirer, The Fortean Times, and it's all about a cow killing spree that occurred earlier this year, 2023, in several locations in East Central Texas, USA. Trigger warning. Okay. Especially for animal lovers. Okay, put down that juice. And can I say, I do not think this is the first time that animals have been desanguinated. It's not, Michelle, let me tell you. Oh my God. Okay, I'm buckling up. So according to sheriff reports, each cow was from a different pasture and herd and had showed signs of a straight, clean cut, almost surgical, removing the hide around the cow's mouth on one side, <gasps> leaving the flesh underneath untouched. Two of the five cows reported back in East Central Texas, there was a circular cut made with similar precision, removing the anus and the external genitals. Oh, Oh my God. Georgia, I don't think your trigger warning was was clear enough. I shouted trigger warning to animal lovers. I am an animal lover. Even though I call my stolen cat a little bitch, I do love animals. Ranch workers said the remains of the animals appeared untouched by the usual predators because you would think that scavengers would come and peck away. Well, they weren't. (laughs) They were completely left alone. It was just this precision peck, this precision cut, these weird exposures of flesh, no kind of interference from their natural predators. Mm. The official cause of most of the cow's deaths is still unknown, but these events, like you said, Michelle, are not new. As far back as the 1970s, in fact, there have been theories surrounding mysterious deaths of livestock animals and the culprit. Aliens. Well, that's what they say. I would like to know whether or not they've done a deep dive coroner's report 
autopsy on these animals to see if there are any traces of weird metals like cadmium we were just talking about with the cake aliens or remains of anal probe or something. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Slip out the anal (laughs) probe. Since the 70s, many animal mutilations have been reported across at least seven US states and due to the dark aspect of it all it would normally be thought of as either ritualistic killings by satanic cults of course or aliens or you know we always talk on this podcast about how serial killers they start by mutilating animals that comes into my story too so buckle up (gasps) There was actually a formal investigation in 1979 by the FBI when similar killings were rife in New Mexico, Michelle. Okay. Aptly named Operation Animal Mutilation, it concluded the deaths were caused by natural predators. So no aliens there. A post-mortem examination done by one of the sheriff officers of one of the counties affected showed that the cause of death for one cow was pneumonia. However, the report couldn't explain the reasons for the cow's injuries and cuts and removals and whatnot. Here's an aside that's just occurred to me, Michelle. Could it be a way of explaining why some ranchers have allowed their sickly cows just to die without paying for an expensive vet bill? Hmm. Oh. Maybe that's why. Maybe they've gone to town with the cutting because the cow died already. Hence, there's no blood loss. Well, because I was thinking, you know, okay, if the cow had pneumonia and it died, well, maybe then somebody just saw an opportunity to give it a good old chop chop and muck about with its dead corpse. I don't know whether or not the cuts and everything was made while the animal was alive or dead. I'm sure the post-mortem would be able to know, but. The three counties, sheriff offices, worked together to try to get to the bottom of it. And back in 2019, Michelle, a similar thing happened when five Hereford bulls went missing at a cattle ranch in Oregon. And the ranchers at the time said, if some person or I can't do the accent, (laughs) if some person or persons has the ability to take down a 2000 pound range bull, you know, it's not inconceivable that they wouldn't have a lot of problems dealing with a 180 pound cowboy. Do you like my kind of, it was more like a Mick Jagger version of a cowboy, that one, I think. I don't know, but whenever you do an accent, I'm on board. (laughs) Okay, well, so they're saying basically that whatever had the ability to take down a 2,000-pound range bull Mm. would also be able to deal with a 180-pound cowboy. Yeah. Ranch workers are now required as a result of this to ride in pairs armed and ready for the aliens. Oh, shit. Or whoever, or whatever. The county sheriff's deputy working the case received a plethora of calls suggesting what it might be and how to deal with it. For example, one caller told them to look for a depression under the carcass. And this would be because the caller said that the alien ships beam the cows up, test them, then drop them from a great height. Very uncaring. Very uncaring, but, you know, they got what they needed. They just jettisoned them. And then plop them down. But, I mean, that is actually interesting because you would be able to see from the carcass. Depression marks. And impact marks if they'd been dropped from a great height. And that's hard to do that. It's hard to drop them if you're not coming from a spaceship. If you're not a spaceship, (laughs) you mean. Okay, it's hard. And Michelle knows this. 
the investigation, the real investigation that was going on with the sheriffs, rather than taking on board all this info from the public, they also considered bears, wolves, cougars, poisonous plants, or even humans using the animals for target practice. But all of these theories were discounted. There are so many recollections from various farm and ranch owners all over the world, Michelle, with the same stories. And back in 1977 in September, there was a spate of mutilations that had the communities in both Nebraska and South Dakota befuddled. The state director of the South Dakota Mental Health Facility, and here is what you said earlier, warned at the time when all these cow killings were going on that rather than UFOs, or occultists, it was probably more likely to be someone with a psychotic personality and warned that they would graduate to humans next. So stop asking about with UFOs and try and figure out who this person is that's doing this thing. Zodiac killer. But like the cowboy said, if you can wrangle a 200 pound bull or whatever, it's going to be difficult. This guy even went as far as profiling the suspect as a young man from a farming community with a hatred of either his parents or authority figures. So that's how far he went. You know, I'm getting picky palace vibes here. Yeah, but how is he going to do that to a... I mean, how can you just grab a cow, flip it and just cut its arse out? (laughs) I mean, sedatives, like a sedative dart? Maybe, but did they find that? I mean, I don't know. No, we don't know. We don't know. No. Both Nebraska and South Dakota were hit hard in 1977 with these mutilations lasting around a month in each state. And I saw a graph that had reports of Nebraska mutilations starting at the number 34 in August and steadily increasing until it reached about 78 by September. That's 78 cows. Yeah. Then it stopped, went to South Dakota, started at 10, rising to 123, then dropping to 82, then 13 by the end of October. Right. It was definitely moving. It was like starting here, went up, went down, came over here, started slow, went up, went up again, went down, went down again, stopped. Okay. So here's a story from the New Zealand. I can't do it like you, Michelle. New Zealand. New Zealand Herald of April 23 this year. Reports of mutilated livestock have come in from a remote central Australian Queensland property. And this has been happening to graziers Judy and Mick Cook for 20 years with no answers. Again, surgical-like precision to remove organs without any trace of blood left at the scene. What? It's just shocking. No trace of blood and removal of organs. And Mm. I just keep thinking of you saying, you know, basically the asshole was scalpeled out. It's (laughs) grim. So in late 2022, the couple found the carcass of a cow with its udder, trigger warning, its udder, cheek and tongue cleanly removed. And once again, there was no blood or marks of movement at the scene. So no kind of like scuffle marks. Mm. If you can imagine the enormity of this property, it's it's 1,100 cattle and it's on a 14,600 hectare property. It's in a place called Yunjela, which is about 80 kilometres west of Mackay in northern Queensland. Very remote. Lots of dust. Why no movement marks, Michelle? I'm also getting nope vibes from this. Yes. Yes. All the films. All the scary films. All the scary films. Well, you can imagine there'd be also vast skies. You wouldn't be surprised when I tell you that the couple have also seen really strange lights in the sky around the property. Mick Cook said, 
One night there was a light in the distance, very bright. We couldn't tell how close it was. It looked like it was just on the boundary of the property where I had found a mob of cattle out that way the next day, who looked terrorised and they started running as soon as I got close to them, which was very strange. Similar incidents have been reported for more than 50 years around the world, including in Australia, but a UFO research Queensland president, so it must be like a MUFON, Cheryl Gottschall said that it's been a while since this has happened in Queensland and she said a man had travelled to the Cape York Peninsula looking for aircraft parts from World War II and he came across a mutilated bull and two calves which had its eyes again trigger sorry (gasps) eyes stomach bag testicles as well as the backside removed cattle mutilations have been linked with extraterrestrial activity since the 1970s and has been fueled by the absence biological explanation for the mutilations many cases are linked with the appearance of lights oh my god so do you think that when i see weird lights on the matterhorn a cow dies we have the little vallis black-nosed sheep there's going to be one without its little asshole intact keep an eye out don't talk to the shepherds we've got cowboys they call them cowboys here and the shepherds i'm gonna do it have a word i'm gonna have a word The Cook story matched reports of mutilations in the US where dead cattle was found lying on their side mutilated like I've just illustrated. This woman, the UFO expert from Queensland, said all the blood is removed and there is no sign of blood around the animal. And when an animal is lying on its side, you look for hoof marks where the animal has tried to get up and there is none, she said. None of this adds up, Geordie. None of it. This is what this woman is continuing to say. It looks like this has come from somewhere else and it looks like it's been laid on the ground there. So very much like what the caller had said to the US sheriffs previously about they're being picked up and dropped back. Mm. But the cook's daughter had something to say about the whole thing because she said that her parents had information about similar incidences occurring a couple of decades ago with no explanation at all. And she told reporters, if aliens want to, they're going to come and get you. So what's the use of worrying? I absolutely agree with her. We have no control. If they want to come and stick an anal probe up our ass or <laughs> de-glove us, they'll just do it. De-glove. So what she's saying is just chill out, whatever. Let it be. Don't panic. I agree. If it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I alluded earlier to another podcast that I listened to featuring Earl Grey Anderson. And this one was called Behind the Paranormal with father and son Paul and Ben Eno. Earl Grey Anderson told one of the most famous UFO cases that I'd never heard of. Can I quickly just engage you in this short story? It's nothing to do with cows, but it does have to do with branches and farms. It's called the Kelly Hopkinsville Encounter. And this happened in 1955 near the communities of Kelly and Hopkinsville in Kentucky, United States of America, IA. It happened on the evening of August 21, 1955, when five adults and seven children went to the Hopkinsville police station with an incredible story of small alien creatures from a spaceship that were attacking their farmhouse. They told police they'd been locked in a standoff gun battle, firing at these short, dark figures with their guns for nearly four hours as they popped up and appeared in doorways and peered through their windows. Later, there were newspaper reports saying that there were between 12 and 15 of these little visitors, in addition to a bright light streak across the sky and disappearing beyond a tree line some distance from the house. This is what was all noted 
from the event. Police and military officers arrived at the farmhouse to find it completely shot up, but no sign of the aliens. Yeah, they've licked it. <laughs> they also said they didn't believe the people reporting the incident had been drinking, mm-hmm. although they do sound like, without judging, they do sound like a rum bunch. There's a lot of them. There's Glennie Lankford. She lived at the house with her numerous children and older sons from a previous marriage, plus their wives. One of the wives' brother and a couple of visitors who were workers from the local carnival, so itinerant people. It was also reported from neighbours of the farmhouse that the families left the farmhouse entirely after the creatures returned around 3.30 in the morning after they reported it. Oh, so they came back for a second go. Apparently. Shit. The Committee for Skeptical Inquiry member and sceptic, Joe Nickell, presented the option that the family might have been battling eagle owls or great horned owls which are nocturnal and they silently fly through the sky they've got yellow eyes which they reported these visitors had and they tend to protect their nests rather aggressively but in response to that ufologist jerome clark reported that these creatures floated through the trees and the sound of bullets striking them resembled bullets striking a metal bucket Ting, ting, that kind of sound. Wow. He went on to describe an odd luminous patch along a fence where one of the beings had been shot and in the woods beyond a green light whose source could not be determined. But on the flip side of that one, people are saying that's foxfire, which is a bioluminescent fungus on decaying wood. So there's an explanation for everything. That's what I was going to say. Project Blue Book was in on this. They listed the case as a hoax. Did they? They did, with no other explanation. But it inspired Steven Spielberg to make an unproduced film as a kind of sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It was called Night Skies or Watch the Skies. It was first called Watch the Skies. He changed it to Night Skies and he went as far with it as he could. He'd heard about this whole story, the gremlin-type alien encounter, from the head of Project Blue Book, Alan J. Hynek who we've spoken about before. We have. Spielberg did this original treatment with all of the people that he got on board, all these famous people, because he was already filming Raiders of the Lost Ark and things when this was happening, or Jaws had been in the can. And he had written the story, well, he hadn't, but his scriptwriter wrote a story about 11 really mean alien scientists experimenting on Earth's animals in order to figure out which ones were sentient until they discovered a family living on a farm and began to harass them and dissect their animals. Right. Now, strangely enough, after working on the script and the special effects and seeing the design for the aliens, he decided that the aliens should be kinder. And he took an aspect of the script, which was about one of these tiny aliens befriending the family's neurodiverse son, yet <laughs> killed animals with a long bony finger, which lit up. And he turned it into E.T. E.T. Burn her. Burn her. Wow. Oh, yeah. so much. So much to unpack in that story. Thank you so much. I have heard of livestock being desanguinated, picked up by alien tractor beams, dumped back down. I think it's a theme that you hear about. It's also something that I think has been in various movies, don't ask me which. Well, I think X-Files. Maybe. I think there's something in it because it's too bizarre. How do you not have a single drop of bloodshed? Yeah, this is the weird thing. And the animals are not fighting back. I don't know. The reporting, is it accurate? You've got to consider all 
aspects. Yeah. But it's food for thought. I don't even say food. I just keep thinking of bloodied animals. But steak. (laughs) Steak tartare. Stop. Ugh. But maybe it's actually time to say tartare. We've run the gamut of (laughs) alien stories. We have. And you've told that incredibly frightening story that a scientist thinks we're going to be knocked sideways by a couple of massive fucking comets, which is something to look forward to. And in the meantime, just wherever you are, whatever you do, just just keep keep eavesdropping. Eavesdropping. Drop it, 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 drop it